0: This podcast is brought to you by lilybadcock.com and the Confidence Academy, giving you the confidence to be who you truly are. This is the Confidence Academy Podcast. My name is Lily Badcock, and I am a transformational confidence coach. And I'm here with a message for you. The anxiety and overwhelm you've been experiencing is not something to be feared or avoided it's also not something that gets to define who you are as a person. No matter who you are, no matter what your story is, I know that you get to live a life of fulfillment and joy. It's my absolute pleasure to bring this podcast series to you in collaboration with some phenomenal people from all over the world who have walked the same path as you. Together, we will share our stories, our challenges and our triumphs with the intention of helping you to see that it's possible for you too. Anxiety may be something you live with, but it doesn't get to define who you are or how you live your life. So stand by for some powerful conversations, deep realisations and the occasional F-bomb. So get those headphones in if you're around sensitive ears and stand by. This is going to be fun. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Welcome
1: back to the Confidence Academy podcast. I'm annoyed at myself because yet again, I've started this interview and I didn't press record. So now I've got to pretend like this is all happening for the first time and it isn't, it's all been repeated. But anyway, I am so thrilled. I am thrilled truly to introduce to you a good friend of mine called Effie who I've known, I was just saying that it was gonna be depressing if I worked out how long we'd known each other. Mm-hmm. And we just worked out, I think Effie you were like 12 maybe when we met. And she, she's definitely not 12 now, you guys. But Effie's on the show. She is a singer songwriter and we were just about to get into it. And I suddenly went, no, we're not recording. <laughs> so let's just pretend that none of that happened. Effie, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, and I was just saying how much you used to shine. So Effie was in a singing group that I used to run or helped to run here in Salisbury. And I was just saying how you can always see the ones like people have this certain glow about them. And I was saying that it's not about it's not even about vocal ability or anything. It's just when somebody is doing what they were born to do, their soul shines out of their face, out of their ears, their eyes, like absolutely everywhere. And Effie was always that kid for me. Like you could just see her light up every time she sang. And it was just such a beautiful introduction. I did a my on, but I meant every word of it. <laughs> Thank and, you so much. You no, know, you're so welcome. And, it, and I was just sharing that it was no surprise to see. Obviously, I've seen you grow over the years and we stayed in touch on social media and we've still got lots of friends in common. And to see your rise from that group, you know, it was just like a Saturday club, wasn't it? We just used yes. to like sing and do little shows to where you're at now is just phenomenal and you know I really am going to get into this with you around um you know really being true to your own soul and knowing what's for you and knowing that that's what you want to do but I was just asking you to share the journey that you've been on in a snapshot from that time when you were just singing on a Saturday with your friends to where you're at now what has that journey looked like for you? I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say thank you you <laughs> me. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Um,
2: so, I mean, it's, it's been a very long journey. It's been a very up and down journey. There's been a lot of lessons learned. Um, I, as you have sort of explained and introduced, I have always been a singer. I've always sort of been on the stage. I, I've always known that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I was very lucky because both my parents have always been super supportive. They never held me back. They never said, you've got to go and get uh, and I'm quoting real job or um, <laughs> anything like that. They've always been super supportive. And I guess I started my professional journey when I was like 15, um, where I was picked up and um, a talent competition in Southampton um and you had to go down and sing and there was two categories there was the adult and there was the the children one and I did the kids one because I was yeah 15 at the time and um I sang I won and then the following week you got to go and open up for Lamar because this was back in the day when uh big singers were coming to like clubs and doing PAs which don't happen as often anymore it's not really such a thing but mm. Back then, that's what it was. And he heard me sing and was like, I really want to work with this young girl. Who is this? So my auntie at the time, my mum and dad were on holiday. They weren't even there. So my auntie was was like, oh my God, we're going to have to call your mum and ask (laughs) girls. So um, we met and we started working together. And I worked alongside Lamar. He was kind of my mentor. And I had management from that age up until I was about 20, 21. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we went our separate ways with no bad reason at all um and I took a little break then I came back did a little bit of DIY doing music wasn't really sure what I was doing or what I was getting into then I took another break (laughs) (laughs) uh, and moved to London and that's kind of where the beginning of my journey kind of really began although I almost split my career so far into like two chapters it's like the chapter when I was young I was learning I was very much sort of in the public eye at times and trying to navigate that and then I came away came back figured out what I wanted to do and for the last I would say for the last three years I've really been on the beginning of my actual journey that makes sense yeah I'm gonna yeah years about three years yeah Um, And yeah, and so I've I've released a couple of singles. I I think I started releasing again in 2019, Worship came out, Um, and then since then I released a single called Fairy Tale, another one called Spiteful. And then most recently, um, just the end of last year, I released My Room, which is my favorite single to date. So, yeah.
1: yeah. I love that, and I think that's the way it should be. I feel like each time you do something new, that's to me that's how it feels for me as well I feel like I'm really on my path and I I I mean my life split into about 25 chapters at this point but (laughs) (laughs) I really get what you mean though you can really see and at the time it feels like those times when you've been on a bit of a trajectory and you've been going along and then something stops or it ends or you don't feel it anymore or whatever Mm. it feels in the moment like failure or like it's or you've lost it or you know we get really frightened i think when that happens um and it's so great when you look back and go no i completely see why that happened the way it did why that had to work out the way that it did and yeah. the conversation i really want to have and and the reason that i invited you on here was because i i wanted to well two things first of all obviously music is such an enormous part of your life and as i'm going through my own journey and my own spiritual growth and all of that i'm really starting to see the real magic of music i to me i feel like it's a gift that the world has been given and i think anybody that has the ability to write music lyrics or any kind of any kind of music at all is has been put here for that purpose and i feel like it's such a big deal and i really wanted to have a conversation with you about how music has pulled you through because I know that I mean for a start you're in a career that's not an easy path right there's you're you're literally signing up for rejection pretty much because that's 99% of the industry you have to dig deep and know who you are and know why you're on that path to keep going through so I would love to know how how you've navigated that and how music has been that support for you as you've gone on that journey
2: I mean yeah that's a bloody good question that (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think there was a time when I was very frustrated because I felt I was that although I was doing what I was Put on this earth to do which i've always felt in my soul and in my gut i've never known how i'm going to make this work but it but it is going to work i've always just known that mm. uh, but when i was younger and in the days when i was working like with, with lamar and his team um i didn't know what i wanted to do in terms of like what kind of artist i wanted to be because I was, you know, between the ages of 15 and 20, like who knows what they're doing at that age. Although nowadays it does feel like all these youngsters know exactly what they're doing. I don't know, <laughs> it's a very different ball game to me now, but, um, but yeah, so there was times when I was like, this isn't, I know this isn't right. There was something in my gut when I was younger. I was like, I'm doing this, I'm pushing for this, but I'm not passionate about it. I'm making music. And as much as I love music, and music is definitely my therapy, the type of music I was producing and putting out, I wasn't happy. And Mm. I'm so glad that that happened to me because it's now led me to slowly know what kind of artist I want to be. And I kind of had to go through all that shit just to get, to where I am now and now it makes sense but at the time I was like oh like this is so annoying I've got all these opportunities and for some reason it's just not falling into place how I want it to but I listened to my gut again I I always listen to my gut and and I kind of pulled the plug on things there was a time when things could have really kind of blown up for me and I was like actually this isn't what I want to do and it took for me to step back in order to to come back into it again um and I think that's really important in anything that that people do in life. I think if, if you're not really feeling it, even if you know that the innate thing you were supposed to do is in that field, if you aren't passionate, then you have to take a step back and, and listen to yourself. Um, mm. That was really important. Um, music in general, there was a time when, uh, so I don't know if you remember this, but I had quite a poorly voice. Um, and for years and years, I was like, I was, I could feel something was not right. And I would try and sing certain things. I'm thinking, why can't I get that? Why am I forcing this? And my technique was off. And it took me actual years. And it was actually Chris Johnson who, so big up Chris Johnson, because it was him who initially said to me, look, I really think you should go and get this checked out. So I went to a guy called Dr. John Rubin and he put a camera down my throat and I had nodules. Mm. and eventually after trying to get rid of it with uh physiotherapy and stuff they were like you know what it's been two years we've tried this 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 not working we'll give you surgery so in 2018 I had vocal surgery
0: Mm.
2: the most scared I have ever been in my life like Mm. I was, because you just don't know what can happen you think well I could wake up with no voice is my voice going to change Yeah, it was terrifying. um but then afterwards, <clears throat> after the surgery and after I continued physiotherapy and speech therapy, all of a sudden it was like I was reborn because I didn't realise I'd been holding this weight, this frustration, because I couldn't do what I knew I could do with my voice, mm. and I hadn't realised it had such an impact on my overall, my mental health. Just mm. it was I was quite an angry person. Um, mm. I was quite highly strung. Um, and then afterwards I was like oh my god like I'm I'm back I am me I feel me and I realized how much music and just the ability just being able to sing day to day is mm. what keeps me
1: sane yeah I so resonate with that and I I mean I think I did know that and Chris Johnson has had a shout out on this podcast before because yeah. he bought he bought my voice back too um and I don't know about you but oh god we could literally get into this for hours but my (laughs) like my whole voice loss um came at a time when I my whole like my whole view of the world had been shattered the my whole like I think I'd lived in a bubble up until that point I was really fortunate I had a really nice childhood Mm -hmm. nothing awful happened to me you know you hear all these stories of people that you know went through awful things when they were younger and I don't have any of those stories I've just had the most blessed life and I was living in this bubble and I absolutely just trusted a bit like you I just knew I was all right I absolutely knew I was all right and I think some of that was you know my parents upbringing um we have we are quite a religious family so there was a a lot of faith talk you know a lot of um just belief and even though part of my journey like when I lost my voice I lost all of my faith completely lost faith in absolutely everything I um I didn't know what I believed nothing made sense everything I'd been taught growing up I was like that can't be real and the same as you it was like I don't know who I am if I can't sing then put me down because what's yeah. the point like I'm here to do this that's that's the only thing I was ever good at <laughs> like it was the mm-hmm. only thing that And I don't even think it was an ego thing. It was genuinely, I just knew I'm supposed to do this. And if I can't do this, then I don't understand my place in this world. I really don't. And I mean, that led to severe anxiety in my part. And I know that we were going to get into that conversation as well, because I mean, that is a huge conversation. I really believe that, and not not in all cases, but in a lot of cases of mental health, where especially where people have developed it so not so much people that have had it their whole life but people that develop anxiety depression stress all of those things i believe now it's because you're not in alignment with who it is you're supposed to be in some way you're not showing up for what you want you're like maybe you're trying to stuff yourself into a box to please other people or maybe you're you've convinced yourself that you can't do something And when my voice broke, that was what I did. I was like, oh, well, I suppose like uh, all the way along, I trusted this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm meant to do. And then I let my brain get the better of me. And it was like, it can't be what I'm meant to do. If God has taken my voice away, I'm not supposed to sing. And I convinced myself of that and I've never been more miserable. (laughs) Like Because, you know, when you're miserable because your soul knows it's not true. Like that's, to me, that's depression is when your soul knows something different and your human is trying to go, no, it, yeah, it, like, it's all right. I'll just go and be, do this other thing. I don't have to sing, you know? And, um, so I really, really hear you on that. And I think, um, it, ha- it is a long journey. I'd be interested to know how you feel about your voice now. Cause I, for me, my voice definitely came back. Mm -hmm. But it's it's never been the same. It won't ever be. And if I hear recordings of myself, I still feel a little bit like, like, that was my voice. And I don't have that anymore. And I think a lot of it isn't even physical. A lot of it's just mental. Yeah, I think you're probably
2: right. I mean, for me, I was very, very lucky that it was kind of so for, for me, having the surgery getting rid of the the injury essentially I was running on a broken voice for years yeah looking back retrospectively I was like this is why I was so frustrated all the time I wasn't making things that I wanted to make I wasn't being stepping into my full self because my voice couldn't because you know it's like having a broken leg and trying to be an athlete right no I couldn't do it so for me, it had the opposite effect. As soon as I had that surgery, and after the the two weeks of not being able to utter a single sound, which was probably one of the toughest things I've ever done, but big up my mum and dad mm. to get through that. Um, <laughs> um, after that, uh, my voice is in the best place it's ever been. Right. Uh, yeah. And I'm really thankful for for the for the doctor and for the the team that I essentially had around me, which is all on the NHS as well um so again big up the NHS we're gonna big up a lot of people today Um, yeah yeah (laughs) so so I was very 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 grateful and it just felt like right now I can start again um and I can kind of start fresh and start training my voice as I should be and I and I started to get quite religious with my vocal training and I started being trained by a guy called Josh Alamu who I think Chris actually put me. oh
1: love him
2: yeah he's amazing and he again he basically helped me to bring my voice back Um, and now I just feel like the possibilities are are, are endless with it and I just want to keep improving and be the best that I can be in my field and I've been given an opportunity to do that Um, and yeah like I said looking back now I'm like god no wonder you were miserable yeah Uh, also I think having being a musician as a lot of people will know and if there's people listening um that are musicians who are also working I've always worked so especially when I first moved to London I had to work I don't mm. rely on my parents I don't um you know ask for help in that way it's like right I'm gonna come here I'm gonna I have to work three jobs i work three jobs and yes. that's what I did and I was my anxiety and and depression at that time was so deeply ingrained in me and you just hit the nail on the head because it's because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. So yeah. yes, I'm kind of doing music here on the side, but mm. I'm having to do all these things to survive so that I can do that. And by doing that, your your body and your brain is like, hey, like what's happening here? Like you're being pulled in all these different directions. And for the last year, pandemic aside, my anxiety has been the best it's ever been. And I think the reason for that is because I've been focusing on music and music only
1: yeah and that's a huge leap of faith that and you know even the thought of that would make somebody anxious because on paper it makes no sense right on paper it makes sense to do the three jobs because you need the money but I'm learning more and more that everything is energy everything is energy and when you back yourself energetically yeah you you take that leap the net appears it really really does and you know I think I think this pandemic and I know we sort of touched on this a bit before we went on the air as well this pandemic has been a huge time of awakening for people um and it's been a frightening time because everyone has been or almost everyone has been put through that it's like oh you know that security you think you had well that's gone like <laughs> that thing that you thought you could rely on no nope, you can't yep. rely on that like you know you've got your own thoughts your own space you can't go anywhere you can't see anyone I think over the years and I'm talking hundreds of years I think we've become a a human race that you know we just create based on past experience we look around and go oh that person's doing that so I should probably just do that or you know or that dream looks like that so that's therefore what I have to do I think we're in a stage now where consciousness is shifting and we're learning whether people realize it or not we're learning that we have the wisdom inside of us there's no blueprint there's nothing you you know your soul recognizes what's for you so you can still be inspired by somebody else you can still recognize something elsewhere that is a path you might want to follow but I think we are coming out of that phase of trying to do the right thing right I mean when I was growing up it was you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you do that job till you're nearly dead, then you get a watch sure. for good service and then you sit in an old people's home until you die, right? Right. I mean, doesn't that just sound like the biggest bunch of bollocks you've ever heard? Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like I just think we're here to, we're here to, it, not on even on a human level, on a spiritual level, we are souls, we've come to expand and evolve and teach and grow and learn and I yeah. think that's what this is all about and I just think there was a, a unbelievable amount of people that were living the wrong life they were doing the wrong thing and they were telling themselves that that's just how it's got to be so it's how it's got to be because I need to make money or it's how it's got to be because it, that's just how it is mm-hmm. um and I, that's where I think we're at right now and I know that this conversation is gonna move into the whole thing that has started to happen and I'd like Every now and then, every few months or so, something enormous happens that affects the entire world. And it started with the global pandemic, right? And of course, it didn't start there. This has been happening all along. For some reason, we are now paying attention where people didn't pay attention before. So, first off, we had the global pandemic. I think that was the first time in a lot of people's lifetimes when they switched on the news and the thing they were watching was happening on their doorstep and not like a thousand miles away or in another country Um, so that brought a new level of realness to it and then of course we had this big George Floyd you know explosion of of just this race conversation and just this whole new level of education and you know I'm a white woman talking to you and people can't see you but you identify as a black woman right And mixed mixed race. So your mum is black and your dad is white. Is that right? Yes. And so we're talking from these two sides and I'll be super honest with you. I've always considered myself not racist because I've never judged anyone based on their skin colour. I've never thought to myself, oh, I can't talk to that person or walk past that person or buy that thing because Mm -hmm. of anyone's skin colour. So I was quite happy in my own self going, I'm not racist. The George Floyd conversation taught me that I was racist on levels. I didn't even know there was white privilege on subconscious levels that it was such privilege that I didn't even know because I never had to think about it. And I think that has been so hard for people. People don't like to be told (laughs) like that little bubble you've been living in. It was not real. Like, um, And I think, you know, I mean, I'm maybe giving myself props here, but we said we were giving props, so I'm going to give them to myself. (laughs) I think I've spiritually grown enough to the point where I'm comfortable being challenged. I can actually sit and be told, "You you don't have an opinion about that. Like, you can't have an opinion about that because you've never experienced that. You know, I was someone, and I'm being really honest now, I was somebody in the past that would have gone, oh well it's racist if a black person calls out a white person right versus the other way right I've learned that that's not not true now and the beautiful thing was the other day one of my boys it was either Louis or Freddie I can't remember which one of them it was but I want to say Louis which made it even better because he normally Louis's autistic and doesn't um often ask questions about others Mm -hmm. but out of nowhere he said to me he said, oh, um, so if somebody calls somebody a name because it's, they're black, that's racist. And I said, yes. And he went, so if a black person calls a white person a name, is that racist? And I said, no, it's not. And he was like, why? And I said, because, and I was able to explain to him the history that I had no idea about mm-hmm. until this happened. Now, what happened was tragic. It should never, ever, ever have happened. But on a spiritual level... I feel like I mean I still believe every soul comes here for a purpose. Mm-hmm. I have to believe that George Floyd's purpose was to switch that around. It was to go it was to be the person that he was for that to happen for people to stop and go, "Oh my god, like I didn't even know that this was a thing. I I didn't even know that this was an issue." And like the pain that you know I've now spoken to lots of people and probably still not enough right I don't think it's ever enough but I've really heard I really made sure to read the blogs of black people when they were speaking out at that time I really made sure to check myself and to not go oh I have an opinion about that it was like "Mm -mm, no you need to stop and listen just now yeah um from your perspective and you're you're living in London as well so I mean that was a hotbed of um of of activity around that right I mean it's it's our capital so it was inevitable how was that for you and what's your view on that whole situation so first of all I'm
2: going to say thank you because I think when people are able to 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 do and say what you just have and to say, actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. And, and I want to do that. Um, And you recognize um, those things and you recognize the privilege and and all of, all of that. Um, That's so helpful to the conversation. And I can speak on behalf of us all. We appreciate it. Um, So thank you because it allows, it allows the conversation to go further for me um, being in London there was a lot of worry at the time because I was protesting. I went to three protests um, I wasn't being, you know, the pandemic, whatever. But at the time, it was a case of these are human rights issues. And yes, there is a global pandemic. But right now this needs to happen. And we can't Mm. control that. I can't Mm. sit back and not be heard. And it was a a real journey for me too, because I'll be honest, there were days that I I couldn't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Um, I was emotionally drained. I was so tired. I was so exhausted and it was from conversations. It was just from the emotional turmoil, because again, coming back to the awakening, what I feel like it did for, for many Black and mixed-race people, <clears throat> we all know individually what we go through on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say we, I also know that as a mixed-race, and I'm what we would deem as a light-skinned mixed-race person, mm-hmm. I also have privilege um, compared to my darker brothers and sisters. So I'm also aware of that. Yeah. Um, but the, the journey that we all go on and have been, been on and what our history is, the trauma that mm-hmm. is in us, ancestors um it was like there was an awakening collectively for us and it was like it banded us together and there was this support system because we were all being there for one another but at the same time it was like our pain was being recognized collectively Mm -hmm. and that was really hard because it brought a lot of stuff to the surface because when you go through life as a person of color things are a certain way and you get used to it and I'm gonna liken it to what's happening right now with women mm. things that we go through every day without realizing that we do mm. to for all of a sudden for somebody to to say something or for, for an event or something to happen or something terrible for someone to die for that to happen for, for this thing to like just come on and say Oh my god we all we we all do this we all go through this it was like we were given permission to collectively hear our pain and our outcry and that yeah. is what i feel happened i also you know i had a lot of conversations with people some were good some were bad some were frustrating i have stopped speaking to certain family members um i had some very heated discussions with my own dad um mm. who as much as I love my father he his point of view it's at certain points he just didn't want to listen and I think it was actually because he could see and hear the pain not because he wasn't believing it but because he just didn't want to admit that that was my experience or my mum's experience and again very lucky because I don't want to say lucky actually that was the wrong word but (laughs) um I was brought up in Salisbury, which is a very white, middle-class um, city, the size of a town. Um, so my experience as a child was very different. Um, there was the side of it that was, I was different, and I did have a hard time at, at points. Mm. Coming to mm. London, oh, I, I felt free. Mm. I felt free. Yeah. There were more people that looked like me. The culture I was able to immerse myself in, um, Also, I don't come from, um, I don't, I'm not straight uh, African heritage or Caribbean heritage. Uh, My mum is um, Afro-American, African-American, so, and Native American. So I don't have the culture side of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. friend of mine we he's also his dad was American and so we don't have the the secondhand culture from those countries to also like attach ourselves to and immerse ourselves in um, mm. and that can sometimes be difficult um that's a whole other thing but yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> no I I get it I think um and you've brought up a really good point because now of course we're having this conversation about women and and I'm going to liken it back to what you shared about your voice even it's amazing what you will put yourself through when you think that that's just how it has to be. And when right. it, when it just becomes your normal. Right. Um, And I think, you know, your voice is kind of the physical representation of that. Like look at the damage that was being done by not turning and going, this is actually, this is broken. This needs to be sorted. Right. There's something that needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I don't know about your thoughts around how we move forward from this Again, I think it's really difficult because everybody has their idea about what that looks like. And of course, everybody's ideas come from their situation and they're looking through their lens. To me, you know, I mean, obviously when it was um, the race conversation, I was I am a white female, like that's it. There's nothing else to it. So that was the side that I was on. And then it was up to me to listen and learn. Now the conversation is about women. Suddenly I'm one of the ones that is going, oh, wait, like, yeah. You know, I've seen lots of people sharing their stories on social media um to raise the awareness. And mm-hmm. I went to do the same. And then I didn't because I was like, people will know who I'm talking about. And I don't want to put that person in that situation. Wow. And that's the point, isn't it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> even now, like what happened was was not correct but my situation wasn't um you know like some people are raped and that's it they know it was rape my situation I think it probably would class as that but it didn't feel there was a lot of confusion around that just because of the situation that it was and for that reason I still don't think that I can share that story because because people who know me will track back and they'll know who that's about and I don't want to be the reason that somebody's life gets difficult, you know, but that's the conversation to me. And I've been seeing, you know, these posts, a lot of anger again, it's, it's polarizing. All of these things that are happening are polarizing the entire world. It's, it's drawing a big line down the middle and going, pick a side. Like you either think this or you think that. And I know that, you know, when it was the race conversation, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of people going like, we just need to be heard. And, you know, like you talked about the um, the collective trauma and the pain that came out of that. Like it was, it is gonna take a minute. I still think we're in that, right? It, oh. It's not like it's like it came up and now we're
2: we're at the, the we're at the beginning of a very very long and hard um, wave of this happening. And then right. the thing is, is for 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 black people and people of color, we've already been on this because yeah. we are living it, and yeah. now. And and I think the frustrating thing for a lot of people and and to, to both topics, actually, to women and, and when we're talking about race, the problem is people think that they have opinions on these things. You can't have an opinion on a human rights issue because human yeah. rights are human rights. And that's what we're right. talking about. So yeah. you have to try and. Reframe it so that people understand that actually, no, you you don't have you can't have an opinion on something that is that is a human rights issue. That that's not it. We have to yeah. look at facts and statistics and experience. And also, I, I saw a woman um, the other day say that she is a woman who um, has never experienced sexual abuse of any kind and has never, and that women need to grow up and stop being victims and which was quite shocking and very hurtful especially coming from a woman Um, and and what I wanted to say to her was I didn't actually but I wish that I had was that your experience does not dictate anyone else's experience if you haven't been through that amazing I'm so pleased to you same with racism you might be a black person who's never experienced racism I highly doubt it but you might be and if Mm. you didn't great good for you but your experience does not mean that everybody else's experience isn't true do you know what I mean yeah
1: exactly that yeah exactly that and I think um there are so many issues as well like sub sub issues that are maybe not as huge as the race issue and obviously now we're talking about the female thing as well but to me I was thinking about this recently and I felt more I felt more um More able to have this thought. Now it's about women because I'm a woman, right? And I and I've experienced like so many times, you know, guys just saying what they want. I like when I used to go to clubs. There was one guy when I was on my Hindu, a guy. I was dancing and I was wearing an oversized T-shirt as well. So it's not even like I was dressed up. Not that that would make any difference at all. But you know, some people say, "Oh, were you asking for it the way you were dressed?" I don't think so because I was in an oversized T-shirt you know in my gladiator sandals even
2: if you hadn't have been you weren't asking for it you can wear exactly w- w- You'd
1: be able to walk in there naked
2: if that so pleases you
1: exactly and this guy put his camera between my legs when I was dancing and took a picture yeah oh, wow I went batshit crazy I went batshit crazy i grabbed him i don't even know where it came from because i'm not a confrontational person and i am such a fence sitter normally i don't like to cause trouble yeah. but i was livid and i just spun around i don't know if he thought he was going to manage to do it without me noticing but i felt it i felt something tick on my leg and i looked down and there he was and i grabbed him by the scruff and i shoved him against the bar and i was like you delete those now and he was like chill out love chill out love and that's the thing isn't it like that's just one story I've probably got a million like that but I was like you fucking prick like yeah, what yeah. gives you the right to do that I was like you delete him now and I made him do it and I watched him while he did it but you know there were so many things even on just that break I think I went for seven days like every day something happened because yeah. it was I Napa. it's club culture it like it's rife right yeah but um I feel like now with this with the conversation that's been happening and you know the outcry for you know men to, to have that curfew and I don't know how serious that person was when they said it but I think they were just making okay. the point like he's just making look, the point. exactly like look how shocked you are that we're telling you to stay in but that's, that's what we have to do like that's exactly how you feel um and I saw lots of people posting and going oh that you know well, some people were going absolutely lock up the men, <laughs> and other people were going, That's ridiculous. If you think men should be locked up, you can unfriend me now. And I was like, Do you know what? I like, I try and see everything now through a spiritual lens. I own to me, and this, I mean, this on some levels may be, um, what do they call it? Like bypassing, and I'm not trying to bypass, but I try and see everything from a bigger lens. Yeah. And it was like, I just feel like every single one of these things that comes around is an opportunity for us to really see each other it's an opportunity to appreciate and go do you know you can't keep living in your bubble you can't keep going this is me this is my experience so therefore those are the rules that's how the world works Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to really to really bring a like true equality right and not to say that that exists because it doesn't but to say that that's the, that's what we want, right. That's the goal. And that's what we work for. And so I don't think it would help for, you know, say the men and women thing, like, sure, we could lock the men up. um, Mm -hmm. But like, what does that really do? All that does is it polarizes another group of people. I also think that as much as women get groped in clubs and stuff, like, It's men get it's easier to believe it when it's a man. If that had been a guy walking through Clapham Common, and a woman had killed him, it would have been a completely different conversation because people wouldn't have believed it. And then, and then that's the thing as well, right? There's all these pockets of things, and to me, I just feel like it. It's we're being asked on every single time this happens to stop and appreciate somebody else's experience it happened in a Facebook group literally I think it was earlier this week or the end of last week where I posted a thread because our nine-year-old is autistic or they think he is and we're going through the assessment process and I was just posting for support just like has anyone got any books and links and blah 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 and everyone was really really helpful and then one lady posted and said um because lots of people were saying oh don't use there was a certain technique i can't remember what it was called but they were like there's a technique that's really outdated that they've used for years with autistic children which yeah. basically is trying to teach them not to be autistic which to me would be like trying to teach someone not to be gay like it's bullshit right if you're yeah. autistic you're autistic and i think it's about celebrating what somebody is and if if what you are is autistic That's a beautiful thing. It's the way it's meant to be. Let's support that. That's how you thrive, right? You don't try, like it would be like telling a black person to try and be less black, right? You're not, you're black. So like be what you are. And this woman after lots of autistic people had written how damaging that process was, somebody then came in and went as a, how did she call herself neuro whatever it was like, you know, not autistic person basically, Um, As someone like that, I can tell you that a friend of mine works with autistic children and adults and she uses that technique and it's and it works brilliantly. And it was like then this conversation shifted and it was all these autistic people going, we are autistic. We are telling you that that is damaging. You are not autistic. So you can't It's like you said, you can't have that opinion because you're not autistic you know it's like saying I mean it's like all the examples I've given right it's just and it was such a it was such a lesson for me because in the beginning I was like oh I don't like how they're all jumping on this woman I don't like that for anyone I don't like anyone being singled out bullied and she was genuinely posting to be helpful and I didn't like how everyone was like yeah and then I got into a conversation on a private message with one of the autistic ladies and She explained, she was like, This is the thing, this is ableism. You're you're trying to make someone who's autistic fit the box, and we don't fit the box, you know? Yeah. And again, I was like, oh my god, that's another opportunity to sit down and shut up and be like, Do you know what? I'm not autistic, you're autistic. So let me listen to your experience. Let me understand it. Let me be honest and say, I don't get it because I haven't lived it as a human being to a human being I love you I honor you and I hear you and let me hear about your experience so that together we can make it better you know but if everyone was like that wouldn't the world be lovely (laughs) I just think a world of lilies would be a wonderful place indeed it would be great (laughs) I mean
2: it's it's hard because People come from all sorts of backgrounds. They have all different types of level of education in in terms of um, different topics that are circulating the world. And you can't be in control of the information that people read. There's a lot of fake news. There's a lot of fake propaganda. I mean, look at the bloody pandemic. People, you know, with the conspiracies and this and that, and you know, you can't control what people consume. And that's really hard, but I think always trying to keep the conversation open and being respectful and trying. Some people are a lost cause. I will say that some people they they just really are just stuck in their ways. They don't want to hear it, and mm-hmm. if they don't want if people don't want to listen, you can't make them listen. You can only I think talk to people and have meaningful, progressive conversation with people who are willing to. If yeah. they're not, there's no point in wasting your time and energy in trying to do that because the only person you end up kind of hurting is what I've learned through a lot of this is yourself you just get frustrated and you think oh why am I even
1: trying you don't you don't want to hear so yeah yeah no you're so right and I think I believe that we are the wave I think we're the generation and I say we you're like about 90 years younger than me but you know (laughs) I think we're the generation that came to be the change makers we're the ones like you know, oh. like like you talked earlier about that, um, like that trauma coming to the surface mm-hmm. and bubbling up. It was like you guys have been built strong to take that as hard as it is. And and I'll talk about you know it isn't just people going through the race thing. It's every disabled person. It's every person of color. It's every woman who isn't a man. It's every man yeah. who isn't a woman. Right? We are the generation that have been sent. I believe to to kind of reset it i mean i was talking to a lady the other day she felt her energy was so powerful mm-hmm. and i was like wow and you know and she i mean our whole conversation was about how she had like her human sort of um you know way of being that everyone sees and then she had her magic that she was hiding away wow. and i was like what if you've been sent what like what if you've been sent down what if you're one of these you know, if there's such thing as like, I don't know, a grandmaster or like, you know, sort of spiritual leaders that are normally up in the ether and they're like, damn, the world's fucked. We need to go in. Right. <laughs> what if that's what we are? Like that, Like you said, it isn't everyone, but there are enough people, there are enough of us who have the strength to be that, like who have the, the strength to go. Do you know what? I'll sit down with a black person as a white woman and I will have this conversation and I will let you tell me how fucking wrong I got it and I will take it on my shoulders and then I will campaign and I will stand up and I will try my hardest to make as many other people as possible feel the same way and, and be willing to do the same thing and I, I think I'm on my soapbox I think we're the change makers I really believe that and I That's just agree you know to anyone listening who who feels you know, because I don't know what circles you're in. I think if you're, if you have someone in your circle who can do that for you, then you're fortunate. And I know that isn't everyone's experience. So I think if you are someone that feels surrounded by people who aren't willing to listen, like Effie said, then know that there are people willing to listen and, Mm. you know, reach out. I mean, Effie, I'm going to get you in the Facebook group. So if anybody wants to have a conversation about this, in the yep. Facebook group, then, you know, we'll welcome that as well. Um, but I just think this is it, it can't be a quick fix. I think what you talked about earlier, you know, you mentioned your dad and the fact that, you know, he found it hard. And of course, he doesn't want to feel that his little girl and his wife is, has been in that pain that he didn't even see. Mm-hmm. People people are afraid to have their glass you know balls broken um they've been in this in this lovely experience I was like that once as well I was like I don't want to know about that I just want my life to be lovely but life can be lovely but it has to be lovely for everybody if it isn't lovely for everybody it's not lovely you know and that's where I've got to my freedom doesn't matter if someone else can't be free it it doesn't count for shit it's not a it's not even a thing it's not true freedom it's a complete illusion and the yeah. thing is if it can happen to one person it can happen to any person and yeah. we are like i you know i'm a mother of three i've got three opportunities to create real change in the world by yeah. having those conversations that i talked about and i'm not saying that so that i get a flag or a fucking badge of honor or certificate or something it's it's is what it is that is that's, what it
2: is that's that's what you do and i think i think education is really important because people people are very quick to think they know what they're speaking about and what they're speaking Mm. because of what they consume or because of Mm. their own experience. But I think what people, for me, the message is what people have to remember is just because that's been your experience doesn't mean that that's somebody else's experience. And also be mindful of the information that you read. And if you want to speak on a topic, do your research, please listen to that. Please mm. read about it, read the history, read where that's come from, listen to the people who have experienced that no matter what the group is, whether it's black people, whether it's women, whatever it might be, um, mm. do your research. And if you really want to have a meaningful conversation because there is no point in you speaking on emotion. You can't, mm. you can't have a have a meaningful <clears throat> conversation based on emotion you have Mm. to have the facts to back it up I often will challenge my parents if my parents have views on things I'll say okay dad so why do you think that Mm. what has led you to believe this or mum okay that's interesting that you think that why please please let me know so that we can then continue that conversation because a lot Mm. of the time it's oh well um I just uh you just what oh well I heard it on on Facebook or I (laughs) told me that or it's been like that forever and it's like well just because something's been a certain way doesn't mean that's correct we were enslaved at one point that wasn't okay women didn't have rights at one point that wasn't okay just because something Mm. way doesn't mean that that's cool Um, yeah I think that's really important as well um
1: yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that was highlighted recently, you know, with Meghan Markle, the amount of I, I was blown away by the amount of people going, you know, oh, I don't and I don't she, I don't yeah. like her. Why? You don't Do you know, know her. her. You don't yeah. know her. And, you know, I mean, I didn't post a lot about it, but I did post something along the lines of be very careful about your opinion, because. Meghan Markle doesn't give a shit about you. You're probably never going to meet her. But the person in your circle who's been secretly battling anxiety and has been afraid to speak out is reading what you're writing. And if your opinion counts for Meghan Markle, then your opinion counts for everything, right? That's your opinion. you're, You're putting your flag in the ground and going, that's what I think about mental health. And, you know, at a time where I was starting to hope that maybe the stigma was lessening and we were in a different place, it was like shit. Uh-uh. no like yeah. no. no like it was it was terrifying she might be the worst human being on the planet I don't know I don't know her I don't think so but it wouldn't matter nobody deserves to go through that
2: well I think it also comes back down to um are we allowed to go a week we've
1: we gone over an hour does that matter yeah it always goes over an hour yeah. it was gonna happen I'm no, so
2: enough yeah, right now so um... we'll go till 4am buckle up <laughs> um i think that when we were talking when we were having that conversation about um meghan and harry in the interview what was really interesting was yet again people don't want to admit that there are such ingrained racist um views that are in our system as a society people don't like to admit that we well, actually mm. um Within our royal family, this exists within our society, this exists, and again, it ends up coming down to the black community to have to highlight it again, guys. Hello, we're telling you this is our <laughs> experience, and this yeah. is how it is. Um, mm-hmm. when people don't want to listen, it's hurtful, and yeah, we don't know Megan, but the point is, if she's sitting on a, a TV show to say to the world, they know what they're doing, they're saying. I wasn't listened to when I was suicidal. Mm. I have been absolutely trashed as a human being. Mm. Um, Lies after lies had been told about her in the press. And she also has the documents to back up everything that she said. I read um, something afterwards that that they had released to say that she she does have the receipts, essentially, to back up. Um, And people still don't want to listen. And Mm. that shows how ingrained it is in society and that's Mm. the scariest part and that's Mm. why I really want to use my voice challenge people educate people um because I just I've said it again and and I've said it before and I'll say it again I don't want my children to go through what I've had to go through as a woman and as a person of color I don't want it and I don't think it's going to be that easy I don't think Mm. it's going to be a case of Okay, everything's going to be smooth sailing by the time I have children,
1: but I want it to be easier. Yeah, absolutely. And like, do you know the thing that baffled me as well? And I, I mean, Piers Morgan should never have said what he said. It was the ridiculous thing to say. But he's hot-headed, and I don't think he was thinking it through. But the thing that, the thing that made me really sad was, we're still missing the point because even though what he did was wrong and he said the wrong thing, absolutely, hundred percent but then for everyone to now jump on him he's also a human being and now he's being dragged through the hedge backwards on the press yeah. and i just think that's what really needs to stop it's all this witch hunt right well, i think there's a difference between holding someone accountable
2: for what they say and trashing someone so the people totally. the mm. people that were saying Piers, you can't you, you can't dish it out you have to come with the same energy you, you can't yeah say nasty things about a person and then expect mm. people to be like oh poor peers because they're not going to people are seeing and hearing what your behavior and your actions and they're going to match that and yeah. you have to you have to be and see what you want to be and see essentially mm. yeah um, but there is a difference I really do think that there is a difference between holding someone accountable and having a constructive conversation and actually just saying look peers you can't expect to behave this way and then everyone be supportive Um, Mm. equally yeah don't fight fire with fire we can't you know start calling peers every name under the sun and think making that think that it's going to make a change because it's not yeah Uh, and you know I said it but you know
1: yeah exactly and you know and that's the thing I think you know especially in this online world I think we all forget that we're human like I even saw a post this morning and it wasn't anything to do with anyone famous but it was in a post and um in a Facebook group and it was essentially about something um another person in the industry who has done a bunch of stuff that people don't agree with right and you know and and quite rightly they they made some really bad choices around the George Floyd time um which polarized their entire group and it ended up all falling apart but then this post this morning To me, again, it's, oh, let's let's all it was bringing it back up and it didn't need to be brought back up. I just think there's like you said, some people can't be helped. Some people can be helped. It has to be it has to be positive, constructive energy towards creating the change you actually want to see. So if we're just going to go on another witch hunt, that's just another witch hunt, whether you're whether it's correct or not, whether the energy behind it is the right thing to do or not is still a witch hunt if you're calling names and you're not being constructive and I absolutely agree with what you said there yeah, um there's a difference there's the, it's, it's two separate things and
2: it's getting people to to see the the difference it's like when people were saying um oh well Megan and Piers they they wanted to get away from the press and now they've gone and done this and I'm like guys like come on let's think about this critically think there is a difference between being hounded. By the British press and having mm. false things printed about you on almost a daily basis, and you then removing yourself from the situation and then taking control of the narrative. Yeah. 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 Different things. Yeah. And trying to get people to see that mm.
1: is a challenge in itself. It's, it's going to be exhausting work for the people willing to do it. Like, like yeah. we've said already, it's, it, you know, it isn't going to be one incident and then it's done. You know, it's a year since or just over a year since uh, Caroline Flack took her own life. Yeah. She took her life because of what she was being. She was being targeted because of what was being written in the papers. Yeah. And she couldn't deal with what was coming at her. and and how it was being reported um I actually had one of her friends on the podcast um who saw it from that side of things and you know so that's what I'm mindful of now and again that was a conversation around mental health and people just go oh but what do you know like I heard people say this about Megan as well oh yeah I feel really sorry for you in your palace like how how miserable could you be in a palace really fucking miserable actually it's it's worse it's much worse if you are someone that presents as you know full of life and you know and and got everything going for you it's a hundred times worse because when you're struggling you don't understand why either you're asking the same questions people people don't realize that
2: just because you might not be struggling financially does not mean that you may not be struggling spiritually the two don't the two don't cancel each other out you can be the richest person in the world and be miserable you can be the poorest person in the world and be the happiest person these things that they don't cancel each other out and Mm. I think it's actually harder for people who are in the public eye if they're struggling because they're in the public eye they have to they have to take that into account and yes she she didn't ask for it she wanted to engage into a relationship with someone who was a prince but she said she went into it naively she's a human being like yeah. she didn't sit there and go okay right well if I do this then I may be vilified by the British press and be at the hands of racism on a, a mass scale I mm. target here maybe I shouldn't date him that wasn't necessarily going to go through her head when if you like somebody and you fall in love that's not something that you think about Yeah, absolutely. I don't accept when people say, Oh, well, she knew what she was getting into. No.
1: No. And also, she's not British. Like, we're we're a little bit arrogant if we think everybody understands how the how the royal I mean, I wouldn't know what to do. There's so many fucking rules about who you've got a curtsy in front of and the and the order of it. Like, even the family get that wrong. (laughs) So much. So, you know, like you know, I saw people writing about oh, there's no way she didn't Google it or well, maybe, but I don't know how much of the uh, how much correct information she'd have got from that. And also, as someone herself who was a celebrity and of that level, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect that she probably just thought it was a similar thing. Like, yeah. they're well-known in England. I'm well-known in the States. It's probably the same. Like, why would you assume? Like, who yeah. goes around having to curtsy? It's not normal. Like, no, it's, it's, not. it's royalty. And if you're not in that, like, I wouldn't have known and I'm British, you know? And okay, maybe yeah. I would have, because I'm British, maybe I would have gone, well, there's going to be some stuff I have to do. But mm-hmm. I mean, if she did, she did. If she didn't, she didn't. Who gives a shit? The point is nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Everyone's casting aspersions and having an opinion on something they don't actually know about. And yeah. all of this comes back to, like, get in your own fucking lane. Every single person in this in this world has mm-hmm. come here for a purpose. We've all got the chance to shine if you are looking at someone else doing well or or whatever and you want to fill your time dragging that person down or trying to tell them that they're wrong or whatever like Mm -hmm. mate you're losing out on your life like you get to live an amazing life and you get to make a real difference as well for the things that matter to you and that's going to be different for everybody but um it's such a such a conversation that needs to be had
2: I think if people are living in their truth, then they generally, like you say, they tend to be happier. Normally, people that um that you know write really disparaging things and not and not very nice things, they, they aren't happy within themselves. There's something inside them that mm. makes them unhappy. Mm. And we we kind of know that. So I sometimes think to myself, okay, this person's got a lot of anger inside them. Probably isn't anything to do with me probably isn't anything to do with the topic that we're talking about they're just probably quite angry and there's a reason for that and that's why they're behaving and it doesn't mean that it's okay but I try and be understanding and think okay right why why would that person have that that viewpoint why are they not wanting
1: to to listen and to you know what I mean yeah Uh, it's absolutely true I think you know we hear it all the time but it's so true I don't know anybody truly aligned in their life that would even give five minutes to trying to drag another person down because it doesn't lead to anything. It's always a reaction and it's usually coming from, um, and that's their soul trying to communicate with them. Mm. It's like, do you know what? If you're jealous of someone, your soul is telling you that that's for you as well. Like Mm. you can have that. If you're jealous because someone's got a whole load of money or a nice house or because they're famous or whatever it might be, your soul knows that that's possible for you too and if you stopped putting all your energy into trying to knock that person off their stool and realize that you Mm -hmm. can be up there as well this is the thing like somebody being happy doesn't mean we can't be and I think I think that's a a, absolute around exactly exactly it's I I heard a funny analogy once where somebody said it's a bit like going oh I'm gonna go out and catch a cold this week because I haven't had a cold for a while like from the idea that if you get a cold someone else doesn't get a cold it's bullshit like everyone can have a cold or not like and everyone can live a happy life like just because somebody's made it or whatever first of all you don't really know what they're going through anyway Mm -hmm. and second of all it's possible for you as well and I think you know if everybody knew and I mean this is what I'm so passionate about if everybody knew that they were allowed to do what they love the world would be different it would be such a different place there wouldn't be so much anger and hate because you know passion leads to purpose and purpose is why we're all here and I just think the more we tell people you can you can follow your heart you can do what you love and you know we touched on this earlier with you you can do that it's possible you can just you have to just turn away from anything that's making you feel like it's not oh my god we need our own like radio show or something (laughs) we need this needs to be like a weekly fixture I think um I feel like when you come on live if you're going to come and do the live show we should like let everyone know you need to put six hours aside at least because that's how long it's going (laughs) to be no I'm
2: totally down for that there's
1: so many things that we could talk about yeah and I think it's I think there are more people like us right and I'm not saying like oh we're the best you know but there are there are people in this world who are willing to see it differently there are people in this world that are willing to make the change and there are people in this world who are willing to go through Mm -hmm. what feels hard in order for you know for the betterment of the of the world really I also think as well like
2: for for people listening I'm sure there's like a variety of people that will hopefully listen to this I think echo chambers are really important as well like it's very easy in today's society to surround yourself with like-minded people. Right. So if you go on your Facebook page or onto your Instagram, it's quite nice if you, you, you see, Oh yeah, no, all the people kind of around me, we kind of think the same way. And that's great. That's yeah. great. But you have to remember that there are people out there who don't think like you and you can sometimes fall into the trap of the echo chamber Um, and then that's not progressive either because then you're not broadening your horizon. So if you look at your Facebook page or your Instagram and you're scrolling through and and everyone on there is like, yes, Brexit, take a minute and be like, what about the people that didn't want to leave? What's their point of view and why? Mm. Let's, Let's have a fully rounded discussion. I just use Brexit as an example because I know that most people have an opinion, but, um, Let's 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 look at the difference. Let's try and surround ourselves with people who have different views so that we can either help them to mm. look at it from a different point of view, or we can learn something. Like yeah. I'm no illusion that it's quite interesting actually. When I go on my Instagram, everyone on there same same kind of mindset. Now when I come onto Facebook, that's where I know I'm gonna have some discussions and some mm. different points of view. And that's why I like using my Facebook to try and educate people to try and start conversation um but that's what it keeps coming back to um I think yeah
1: I agree and I think you know you're right it's sometimes it's right to be sometimes it's right to align yourself to people that have a similar mindset I think when you're trying to achieve something right I'm definitely in um groups like that around spiritual development because that Absolutely. lights me up right yeah. but I think when it comes to world views um And actually, I'm someone I struggle to have an opinion because I really do see the I see both sides in so many things Mm -hmm. that I end up going. I don't know what I think because I agree (laughs) with you and I agree with you. So I don't fucking know. I'm in the middle. I'll just stay on my fence. (laughs) That's another thing. I think
2: it's about getting people to understand also that some things there aren't two sides to. Like if we're talking about if we're talking about racism, there aren't two sides to that it's Mm. that simple this is human this is the experience Mm. the statistics and the facts and the experience do not lie that is how it is and the same with women at the moment when we're talking about the discussion with men um and also I just really want to say I'm very very blessed to have wonderful men in my life I just want to quickly just touch on this again because Mm. I'm very, very blessed um, and very appreciative of of the guys that I have in my life. Um, And they've all responded so well to everything that we've been talking about over the last week or so. Mm. And um, I think it's really important that men are holding their friends accountable for little tiny things that you wouldn't think made a difference. Whether it's wolf whistling at someone down the street, a joke. Mm. Things like that, it's little discussions and conversations around those things that can lead to bigger things and that are within that culture mm. uh, for men. And I think it's really important that guys do hold other guys accountable and help bring that change forward so that the responsibility no longer lies with women, because that's where the issue is at the moment. Mm. We're not mm. saying that, or of course, we're not saying that all men are trash and all men are doing these awful things we know that but we don't know which ones are and when the statistics and when the statistics state that 87 percent of uh domestic abuse is by men Mm -hmm. women only hold 3.4 percent of the prison population that Mm -hmm. alone tells you something you know Yeah. yeah don't lie we're not saying that women are not capable of violence we're not saying that women don't attack men we're not saying that but when the statistics are disproportionate in the other direction we have to pay attention to that and i think that's um really really important
1: absolutely i saw someone use an analogy this week um and they were like of course it's not all men and uh, you know she said the same as you she said i've got some amazing men in my life and they've actually stepped up and spoken up you know since this has all come about but she said, you know, if I'm walking into a swarm of wasps, not all of those wasps are, wasps are going to sting me, but some of them will. And I don't know which one. So I'm just not going to go into that swarm. I'm just not going to put myself in that situation. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's like it shouldn't even be a consideration. Yeah. Um, it, it should be the other way around it should be so rare and it just yeah. isn't and Especially you
2: know with our, daily, with our daily experiences like you said earlier when you were in Iron Apple what you experienced and it's actually like it's like a, what do they used to call it, lad culture mm. like oh yeah it's, it's like okay well let's start to change that and there has been a shift and a change I think since mm. I was younger to now for sure yeah. there's still a long way to go and there are lots of things that just are not acceptable and there are so many women like you and I I've been sexually assaulted more than once, Um, and I'm 29 years old. And Mm. I know that there's many other women who are my age, younger and older, who've probably had that experience too. And
0: Mm.
2: that speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. Again, like I say, the statistics don't lie. So
1: yeah, no, absolutely. No, I absolutely agree. My God we covered so much hooray for us um I want to end I want to bring it back to your music just to close I would love to hear what you've got coming up we're obviously going to put some links into the show notes for anyone that wants to check out your music but what are you excited about right now what does your next 12 months look like what can we look forward to hearing from you
2: well um I it's been a difficult time obviously pandemic slows things down things aren't open can't do live shows etc but um I'm working with some really incredible people at the moment um I've got incredible friends that I can work with every day which is amazing um and so really I'm focusing on getting a project together can't really talk about it it's really annoying um, <laughs> But
1: I love that I love I,
2: it <laughs> I'm hopefully gonna have a really exciting project coming forward which is going to in turn hopefully lead to me doing many live shows next year um and touring potentially um that's that's what I'm hoping for um I'm gonna be kind of just developing the brand writing with other people I've got some dance cuts that are hopefully coming out working with a couple of my favorite um dance house producers that kind of vibe um as well because i love dance music so i like to try and wear both hats um yeah, yeah and just honing my craft and just developing as an artist but yeah by next year I will be back out live as Effie if all goes to plan I'm hoping to go to a couple of other countries as well to record and get these projects done I can't say anything it's really annoying um but (laughs) yeah yeah, fingers crossed it all all comes through and if it does I will not be disappointing you all I hope
1: no well I I already know that you won't I think you're (laughs) I love your music and anyone who's listening if you're on my Facebook Um, you'll see I do share whenever Effie puts anything out I always share it because I'm always I'm just so proud to know you and it's such an honor as well it's always an honor just to see anybody in their zone and in their lane doing what they love and doing what lights them up from the soul so I'm always a huge fan of supporting that and thank you for being
2: there at the beginning because it's the people that help you do that at the beginning that help mold you into what you do and you're a part of my
1: journey so thank you. There you go! Wow, well, that's that's why you're going to buy me a mansion one day. Like obviously, that's just people. <laughs> <laughs> it works. I definitely remember requesting that. I think at one point I was like, because I knew you were going to do it. Oh my god, Effie! Thank you so much to everybody listening. I'm going to be asking Effie, like I said, to join us in the Facebook group, and hopefully we'll get Effie back on for a live Q and A as well. So if you guys want to come on, I think it would be cool to get you to sing for us as well on the live show. So we'll do, um, we'll set that up and you guys can come and come and jam um, with Effie and I. But oh, it's been such a thrill to speak to you again, to have you on the show. So thank you so much. Been a pleasure. Thank you to everyone listening remember confidence is yours as soon as you choose it just decide to be the change you want to see in the world it's such a cliche but that is how we're going to create this change and I hope that these conversations have helped you really think about that um I'll be back again with another episode very very soon look after yourselves and take care wherever you are in the world bye-bye thanks for listening Everybody, don't forget that I am live every Thursday at 8pm over in our Facebook group which is called the Confidence Academy Podcast Facebook group and I go live every 8pm for a live Q&A and of course this week my special guest will be Effie. So if you have any questions or comments following this episode we would love to see you there. Just get into the Facebook group and we will see you at 8pm on Thursday. In the meantime, look after yourselves. Have a wonderful week and I'll be back again soon.